I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. And on today's episode of the podcast, I'm sitting down with respected architect and design entrepreneur Steve Long in his office in Kowloon Bay in Hong Kong. Well, first of all, thanks so much, Steve. Thanks for having us in your office with this beautiful view. Is that your first time here? It is, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you should come here a little bit earlier. <laughs> I mean, we, we have been, uh, you know, we met so, so, so long ago. I know. And then this is the only the first time you, you come to my office after so many years. But good things are worth waiting for, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's never too late. It's true. So I actually wanted to, well, thanks, you know, first of all, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, and I wanted to actually go back to the beginning of your career and maybe start with your childhood. Uh, okay. I think, you know, many of us, when we're little kids, kind of have an aha moment of when it is we realise what it is we want to do. And sometimes we follow that path, but sometimes it changes. Um, and I read that your uncle was yes. an architect and you followed him. So how old were you when you had that aha moment? Well, I, you know, when I... When I uh, was a very young child. I actually stayed in a in a in a in a house together with my parents, my grandparents, and my uncle. And um, as as you said, uh, he 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 used to be an architect. And you know, architects always work hard. And then he always bring his work home. And then so uh, in the in the evening, I always go to his room, watching him drawings on the drawing board, sketchings, doing a lot of things. And and to me, my uncle is actually my idol. So uh, I think I, I need to do something. When I grow grow up, I want to be something like what my uncle is doing. So I kind of very clear that I would like to be an architect when I grow up. Okay. And you looked up to him aside from the fact that he was an architect or was it because of what he did that seemed so exciting that you admired him? Well, first of all, I think uh, I'm kind of a, 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 I like art. Um, and also, um, on top of that, uh, actually, I have another uncle who has migrated to Canada uh, when I was very young and what he has left over is a collection of art books. Ah. So I always uh, go to read the art books, uh, whether it's the Chinese artists or you know Western artists, and that's why uh, I kind of follow that. And um, and uh, my uncle, uh, who was an architect, I think he's he, he is not only an architect; he's actually an all-round artist. He can play music. Uh, he can he can uh, very nice calligraphy. He can draw very well, and and that's why I think I I I think I like what he was actually doing everything. Mm. So I think I, I want to be an architect. And in fact, my, my auntie, his wife, is an engineer. Ah. And I can always see her working with her... Com- not, that, at that time, it's no computer. It's still calculator. So I think I, I always watch her working with a, a lot of figures. Uh, with a calculator on hand. So I think this is too boring for me. <laughs> and that's why I think I will never be an, uh, an engineer. Right. And, and I think I, I can make the difference between an engineer and an architect and when, when I was very young, which I don't think a lot of young children can, can do that. Mm. So when I turn you know, into secondary school, uh, when I need to select my, my, my topic, to go to, to for the university, I actually picked architecture as my first choice and my only choice. Right. And you studied at Hong Kong U. That's right. And then went on to work at a very well-known practice, Wong Wan Young. That's right. And when then, I was first graduated. Right. And then at the buildings department. Yes. So what prompted that decision? Well, actually, it's all my plan <laughs> to a certain extent because um, I, I don't know. When I... When I I think I would, on the first day when I becomes uh, I, I, I becomes uh, studying architecture, I has an aspiration of becoming my own boss. 
Okay. I want to set up my own architect's practice. And I think to do that, uh, because I come from a very average family, I have no particular family background. So I think I need to, to, to work very hard to, to achieve that. So that's why I think in order that I can start my own practice, I need to learn uh, architecture, not only from the design point of view, but also from various angles. So I think it may be a good, uh, uh, it's a good training for me if I can go to work in the government. Uh, at that time, there's no buildings department. It's right. still called the Buildings Ordinance Office under the, the architectural something like that. <laughs> okay, the Public Works Department, okay. actually. And, and, and that's why I think it's good for me to, to, to earn some experience in that particular government's department so that I can learn how they can process plan submissions and issue uh, permits and occupation license and things like that. And after doing that, I actually joined a construction company who is also a contractor, but they also do property development. So I think I need to go around all the different aspects of architectural or building so that I equip myself better in different aspects be before I can actually start my own practice. Mm, well, so that's a very good lead to my next question, which is you setting up your practice in 1987, if I've got the year right? Uh, actually, not really. Ah. Um, I set up my own practice in 1987. In 1987, okay. When I was 30 years old. Right. Uh, I was graduated uh, in 1981, so after after six years, I started my own practice. I think it's a very short time, and I was only 30 when I set up my own practice as an architect's office. So uh, after doing that for about three years, I actually merged my small practice with another practice of my university colleague who has his own practice as well. Okay. So um, we become a Leung and Chow. Ah. Uh, Chow is Thomas Chow is also a very famous architect in Hong Kong um, and then Leung and Chow stay from 1990 up to 1997 mm. after that I restructured my company and become Steve Leung architect and Steve Leung designer in 1997 right okay um, so I kind of like to talk a little bit about that period of time I guess between then and now and um, and how you've gotten to where you are, obviously being one of the most well-known, I mean, I, I would dare to say an icon of design in Hong Kong. Um, would you say that there were any big breaks along the way, like big um, projects or clients that perhaps, you know, really believed in you, that gave you a project that really changed your practice? Well, actually, there are a lot. Um, I don't know, maybe it's my purposely you know plan or is it because of just uh, incidentally I have a big change every 10 years as I told you uh, I start my own practice in 1987 and at 1997 in 1997 when Hong Kong returned to China uh, I, I make the decision of restructuring my, my practice and I think we split between you know Leung and Chow and then I set up my own practice and I make two very, very important decisions to me. Um, number one is I think I cannot only stay on architecture because I think architecture, especially uh, practicing architecture in Hong Kong is kind of very difficult because Hong Kong, uh, at that time I was only 40 years old, it's considered quite young. Number two is Hong Kong is very expensive land and, and also very big projects. Uh, so young architects firm or medium architect firm is very difficult to s compete with big firms because the projects are getting bigger and bigger and more complex. And number two is the architectural projects always need more time to finish. In the, in the, in, in the Western world, there's a saying that uh, architecture is an old man business. <laughs> that, I mean, it's no longer true now, but that means that, you know, to become a famous architect, you need to stay a long time in your career and work very hard and time is also you know you need a, a long time to 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 succeed so uh i think uh, I, I i want to do it a little bit faster so i think apart from practicing architecture i think i want to do archi uh, interior design at the same time because interior design you know you can actually finish projects within 
six months or even one or two years. So you can finish a lot of projects in a relatively short period of time. And number two is uh, Hong Kong, as I said, is very uh, expensive and projects are getting very, you know, much bigger and bigger. And the chances of a medium firm getting such projects are actually very slim. Number two is um, after Hong Kong returned to China in 1997, I think it's a very good timing for me to look into the China market. So I actually try to see whether there's an opportunity of doing something in China. Before 1997, I never do anything in China because I always concentrate in working in Hong Kong. And uh, fortunately, you know, we have some clients in Hong Kong who actually, they, they, they are developers and they actually start um, investing in China. So I just follow their footsteps. They bring me to, to China and start my own, my first project in Shanghai in 1997 wow. as an interior design show, show units. Okay, wow, that must have been a really big break for you. And I mean, now, since then, you you have, I heard, I think 600 staff, is that right? And you have yes. five offices now, one here in Hong Kong right. and four in China. In China. So that's obviously, you know, I guess a, a quite a pivotal moment then for your firm and your career to, to, I guess, have the courage to then move into the Chinese market and pursue that that's right. beyond Hong Kong. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So did you ever imagine that you were, you were ever going to be at the head of a, a, a design practice or an architecture practice as big as what you are? Uh, not really, not really. <laughs> if you ask me, you know, 20 years ago, I, I don't know. How, how, how can somebody can foresee something happen, you know, in, in 10 or even 20 years' time? Mm. But, you know, I have always, you know, tried to react to the market I, I observe, I study, and then I always come back and say, what should I do? I always have planning for my own career and my company's development. Mm. As I said, in 1997, I think um, uh, going into interior design is one of the, the way that we can develop. Uh, apart from, 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 from you know, diversifying, it's actually practicing interior design, we can have interior design cycle, business cycle. It's actually not exactly as an architecture cycle. Mm. So it's actually better or safer for a company to practice both disciplines mm. so that you know the cycles not actually co uh, coincide with each other. Mm -hmm. And the cash flow mm. from, from our fee is actually is better to, to maintain a, a more steady cash flow. Mm. And also practicing not only in Hong Kong, but also diversifying in, in China or other places also give you that kind of stability. Right. So I think that is a very good uh, decision that I have made. And as I said, I always have plans um, every, every year. So I have, for example, if you ask me, what are you going to do next year? I think I have already something to tell you. And even if you ask me, if, what are you going to do in five years or even 10 years? I have a plan already. Wow. But of course, the plan is actually kind of a framework. Mm. Uh, uh, it will get more and more detailed when the times come more closer to the date. Sure. And, and then uh, I, I think it's, it's important. So uh, in 2007, when I turned 50, uh, I also make a very uh, important decision. Because at that time, I think Steve Leung Designers has about 180 staff. It's considered as a relatively big firm already. Mm. But I think what I'm going to do in the next 10 years or even beyond, uh, I start thinking about you know, my succession plan. Uh, of course, 50 is still considered very young, yeah. but I think it's, it's better for, 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 for me to, to start thinking about a succession plan mm -hmm. because I have seen so many cases that some of them are my friends, some of them are my my friend of my friend, uh, they, 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 they kind of get some kind of illness and then they cannot work anymore and the company becomes kind of very difficult or even collapse. Mm -hmm. So I think it's actually more responsible for myself, for my family and mm -hmm. also for my staff and also for my client mm. to start thinking about succession plan mm -hmm. or a contingency plan. Mm. So I think, what should I do? Because 10 years, time actually flies. 10 years is quite, quite fast. Especially in Hong Kong. <laughs> when, when you look back, right? So I think when I was 50, so what, what am I going to do 
at when I turn 60. So if I do something at 60, probably it's too late. Mm. So I think, what should I do for the company? Uh, there is obviously few options in terms of development. Number one is we maintain a stable size that, mm. that is about 180, which I think a lot of people consider that is an optimum size or even the biggest size that an architect's company or no, not architect's company, a design company should have. Because in my case, uh, I'm the only uh, boss of the company. Mm -hmm. I hold 100% of the share. So I don't have a partner in that sense. Mm. I have very good senior staff, but not a business partner. So everything have to make the decision by myself. Mm. So I think um, it's either I maintain that size, which is considered as probably uh, the biggest size that uh, a single man can handle a design office. And also maybe I should actually start uh, uh, designing my company so that when I turn 60, maybe my, my company is only 30 people. So it's mm. more comfortable and more easy to handle. Mm -hmm. Or the other very obvious or very challenging way is why why don't we do that? Why don't we start you know um, st start uh, developing or, or even uh, growing? Uh, uh, Fifty is still very young, so it's between the A, B, Z options. Right. And somehow, um, actually, it's not an easy decision to make. But after looking at uh, a lot of different practice, especially the design practice in the United States. Uh, design practice in the United States, they have big offices. Mm. They, they, they work internationally. They, they have, you know, uh, different branch offices in Asia, you know, in, in, in Middle East, in Europe, you know, all over the world. And some of them have even more than 1,000 or close to 2,000 people. So I think, well, interior design um, in Europe, maybe they always have small size because they want very kind of hands-on kind of things. But when, the, when it comes to the American model, mm -hmm. um, they, 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 they actually manage the company um, in a different way. Mm. So it's either I go for the European model or the American model. I think, well, because uh, I think uh, we have China as our main market source and China is growing. Uh, I think that is a perfect timing and that is the very a very good opportunity for a company like us to, 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 to develop more. So I, I opt for the third option. <laughs> let's, let's go for it. <laughs> let's start planning for development. And, and then uh, on that date, I actually start um, letting, letting it go. Mm. So I, I, from 2007, uh, 2007, we have 180 people, and for the last 10 years or 30 years, we actually uh, three times the size of, or even four times the size of what we were in 19, uh, 2007. Mm. And then in order to do that, I think it's not only that you want to do it, you, you need a plan. Mm. You need something, you know, very solid. So I start uh, looking for people. Okay. Because as I said, I'm, I'm the only boss. but. Uh, I, I cannot spend you know, 24 hours a day. Even I do that, it's, it's, it's not, not, not possible, it's not use, usable. And, and that's why I start looking for people that can help me in, in different aspects. Mm. The, number, the, 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 the first people that I think is, I need somebody to look, at my, to, to look after my company from the management point of view. Mm -hmm. And I kind of uh, uh, think about a lot of possibility. And eventually I, go, I went to a colleague of mine in university. Mm. He is also my classmate. Uh, obviously, he's an architect. Uh, he, once he had his own practice, and he also worked in big companies, developers and architects companies. But I think he is a good man for me to work together. Mm -hmm. So I invite him to join my company, uh, saying that, please come to my company, join us, join me, and then we can develop together. And you know, his, his name is Kenny Seal. He's now my CEO. Okay. I, you know, what I talk to him, him is that, um, Kenny, I want you to, to, to join me, but I have only one condition. He said, what is that? I said, okay, you have to help me in all aspects of this company's management. He said, no problem. But then I said, there's one thing that you cannot touch or you cannot actually uh, give your opinion on. What is that? 
design. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I think we split our job. Mm -hmm. I only work on design supervision and creativity. Mm -hmm. And then Kenny is going to work to help me on all the aspects, including uh, human resources, business development, you know, financial, everything. Mm -hmm. And of course, we start putting in uh, financial directors uh, or even uh, uh, communications and different departments so we have a very good structure mm. and from a very good structure we can develop better right yeah I can imagine that that would change uh, I mean not just the size of the company but the way that you operate um, in in quite a large way I mean you go from having yeah, was it three or four times the amount of people? That's that's more than one person's job just managing all of those people. So, yes. um, yeah, that's quite remarkable. Um, so over the years, you, you talked about uh, restructuring or renaming the company in 1997 during the handover. So you've gone through the handover. Yes. And obviously there was a GFC. We've had... Um, you know, the last, even the 15 years that I've been in Hong Kong, we've had a lot of ups and downs. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how, if there's any other tips or um, uh, strategies that you've had for weathering those storms. I mean, you've already talked about diversification, which That's was clearly right. a very strategic yes. business move. Um, you're clearly not just creative. You clearly have a very strong sort of sense of what you want to achieve with the company. But um, have there been any other strategies that you've brought in place that has helped you weather those storms? Well, I mean, we cannot avoid storms. So uh, I think apart from, uh, I think it's all about strategy. You don't wait until the storm happens and then you do something. Mm. You have to prepare for the storm. So it's all about planning and preparation. So when you are on the, uh, in, a, in a sunny day, so you have to know that sometime the storm will come mm -hmm. and then you have to prepare for it. You have to, to, to have your windows secure. You have to get all the you know, umbrellas, you know, wing coats, everything is get ready just on the day of the storm. So it's the same for the management of the company. Mm -hmm. For example, um, in our company, we have a very uh, good, you know, financial, financial uh, kind of uh, planning. Uh, obviously, we work very hard, and then we, we kind of uh, make some profit. But we don't spend all our money. Mm. We always save up certain reserve, and the reserve is to my to my in in my. Uh, to my opinion, in my opinion, I think the best reserve that we can do is at least nine to twelve months mm. for the for the expenditure of a of company. So just in case I don't have a, even a single dollars coming into my company for the next nine months, we can still survive. But of course, you have to put your money in the bank, mm. make sure that you don't move it, <laughs> you don't use it, and then you have to keep your reserve. But yeah. sometimes it's very difficult. Yeah. Because sometimes people tend to, you know, uh, uh, make it as a dividend or, you know, invest in something. So we have to, the cash flow is mm. very important. To maintain an architect's company or design company, cash flow is important. Mm. So that's number one. Number two is uh, actually, uh, is, uh, we, we should, uh, as, as I said, diversification. Mm -hmm. Diversification means that we don't put all the eggs in one basket. Uh, uh, of course, in the last 20 years, we actually uh, concentrate a lot in uh, residential development for developers, design for developers. but. We try very hard to diversify mm -hmm. into, let's say, a little bit of hospitality, a little bit of commercial retail, a little bit of you know private residential. So different sector will offer you different kind of buffer mm. because different sector they tends to have different cycles. So I mean, you don't have all the cycles overlap each other. So the the, the cycle actually have the the, the time lag so that you it, it covers the risk of the other other cycle. Mm. Geographic diversification mm -hmm. also uh, we don't of course we rely a lot on the China market but we don't only work in big cities like Shanghai and Beijing we start working in in the beginning we start working in the big cities and then later on the secondary cities like Hangzhou or you know Guangzhou and later we do go into the third tier or even fourth tier cities mm. and then we try to uh, get as many different clients as possible we don't only work for the biggest or the 
the the guy that who can pay you the best mm-hmm. we, we we don't mind we, we we sometimes we we work with smaller developers mm-hmm. and we can see then uh, they grow we grow with them mm-hmm. and i think uh diversification in in terms of clientele in terms of geographic location in terms of sectors and also um uh, in terms of uh, uh, different uh, project categories, mm-hmm. so I think uh, it's important. Mm. And uh, and the last thing is about uh, your human resources. Human resources. I think sometimes, let me tell you, sometimes the biggest challenge to my company is not during the recession. Sometimes it's during the best time. Mm. You know why? Because. If the market is really hot and the, and 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 everybody there's so many jobs in the in the street, my staff will quit, mm. and then they will they will set up their own practice. I think that challenge is even sometimes is even more serious than you know you have to face a financial crisis. Right. So I think the planning for the human resources is even more important. My strategy is get our junior staff engaged, train them up so that you have a base. Mm. I mean, every company should have a staff structure like a pyramid. You don't just rely on the top. Mm. You rely on the middle, but the, the base is your foundation. So you treat each and all of your staff well, including the junior one, mm. so that you train, that, train them up, give them confidence, give them opportunities, and then they can be the leader sometime later. Mm, that's very savvy. So uh, talking about diversification, I think there's so many aspects of your business particularly that are quite unique, maybe internationally, not just in Hong Kong. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about um, SLX or the Steve Long Exchange. How, yes. does, how and what is that? I think that's such a fascinating business model and concept. Well, actually, I, to be very honest, uh, I get this inspiration from you, YOO. Uh, I was invited to be one of the creative director of you, which uh, was initiated by Philip Stark, which I'm sure you know, and also uh, John Hitchcock. Uh, Their model is they team up with uh, very famous designers all over the world and under the brand you to promote uh, design services and also design branding to clients all over the world. I think that is very interesting. You know, I, I'm the kind of person that I always enjoy teamwork because I always like to talk with different people. I think talking with people, working together will actually inspire, inspire me a lot. I hate working alone. Uh, even in sports, I always like team sports. I, I, I seldom like, you know, you know, individual sports. Anyway, so I think that inspires me. But I think that is more the Western model of you. But when I look at you know, the situation in China or in Asia. I have so many friends that they are developers. And sometimes they talk to me, they say, Steve, we work uh, closely with you and you have designed so many projects for me, but we want to try other designers, especially celebrity designers like, you know, Kelly Coppin or, you know, Tom Dixon or something, some people like that. And then and, and some of them, they actually contacted them. But uh, this, de- this designer is either that they, are, they, do, they don't know him, so they, 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 do, they didn't reply, mm. or they are too busy, or even some of them, they never work in China, mm. and they, they are scared. Right. Okay, I don't want to take that risk. So I think uh, it's kind of not successful to, to make this mix and match. And sometimes they actually get in hold of the designers, and they, they start working. But unfortunately, to some reasons, the synergy doesn't work out. Mm. And maybe the project is never finished and it's, it's kind of terminated some, 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 somewhere in the middle. So it's no good because actually the, the developer has a very strong desire to, to get designers from overseas to work with them on, on, on Asia projects, but it doesn't work. On the other hand, a lot of designers, of course, some of the designers like Kelly, Kelly Coppin actually works a lot in, in Asia, so, so she knows Asia very well. But some of the designers, they are very famous in the United States, in Europe, 
but they seldom have the chance or they don't have the courage, I would say, to come to China to work on some projects. And sometimes they did, but they, 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 they make a mistake or they, they're not happy with somebody, so they, they feel, you know, insecure. So I think that is the situation, but the market is there. Mm. There's always um, a desire for, for, for a client in Asia to get a designer from, from overseas to work in projects in China. What is missing is the missing link in between. Right. So I think because I know so many developers and I know so many designer friends, very good friends of mine, so why don't I, I bring them together? And I don't think it's only a mere introduction. It doesn't work mm. because they can always exchange email because they need somebody in the middle so that they can trust mm. and then they can, we can advise them what to do, no matter advice to the kind, okay, this is, you should not do this to the designer because you will offend them. Or same, likewise, the designer should not do something like this in China. It's never, you know, it's never uh, considered appropriate. So I think you need somebody who knows both sides. Mm. And then they give you, uh, we give them advice. And then uh, we make the situation work. So it's a kind of a relationship like a triangle. So Steve Leung exchange is the concept. Mm. So that we bring in designers from from overseas for them to work in China, uh, in Asia, not only China. So that uh, and Steve Leung becomes uh, the man in in between and becomes part of the triangle. Mm. But that is only the the first first phase. My con my concept is I really want one day I can bring young designers from China or even Hong Kong to work in Europe to United States because I also have clients in the United States or even in Europe, like the pro products, you know, the brands, they want to get some, some very young and talented designers, but they don't know how to find them. So Steve Leung Exchange, SLX, can, can do something like this. It's, it's very good for, for, for exchange. Mm. It's very good for, for actually promoting design uh, standards. So I think that is that's quite good. And to be very honest with you, SLX is not really for profit because we, we don't get much profit out of these projects. But mm. I think it's, it's good to, to start building up link between the East and the West so that we can have more dialogues, more exchange so that um, people, uh, the design industry can, 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 can be better. Mm. I think that's such a wonderful idea. Um, and, you know, I think you, you've never really sat around just waiting for clients either. You've gone out and developed your own things. I know you've done residential, but tell us a little bit about your restaurant group. It's called 1957 & Co., is that right? Yes, and yes. how many restaurants do you have now? Well, uh, 1957 & Co. is already a private listed company in Hong Kong. Okay. And then we have 14 um, restaurants in Hong Kong and three in China already. Um, actually, this group starts at about... Uh, I would say from now on is about nine to ten years ago, because you know I also design a lot of restaurant. The other thing is I really love food, <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy you know dining out, and I also design a lot of restaurant. But after you know so many dining experience and also designing restaurant, I think ah oh, it may be nice to design your own restaurant so that you can do whatever you want and then. You can always like, you know, we always entertain, not only for business, but also with friends. Mm. So it's good to have your home, home base, right? I mean, it's, it's normal. A lot of people want to do that. And some of them succeed and some of them fail. Right. Or may, maybe most of them fail. <laughs> <laughs> if that is, you know, it's not only for business. And I think uh, I want to do that as well. So, I, but I never start working on that until I find a partner. Mm, okay. As I said, I think um, I'm always uh, do very solid planning. I always have that plan to, to, to open my restaurant and I st start looking on partners. And eventually I, I, I get somebody in mind whose name is called Paul Kok. Okay. He's a Hong Kong is a Hong Kong guy. Okay. Uh, actually, he, he, he was my client before. Okay. He, he was a chef in Hong Kong when he was very young. And then uh, he went to Singapore and afterwards he went to the Middle East, not only working as a chef, but also, uh, but also you know, opening restaurants for big corporations and, 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 and companies. So he's more on the, 
uh, administration um, kind of things, but not really cooking in the kitchen. So uh, he went to me sometime, I think about 15 or 13 years ago, and then he said, ah, he has a restaurant in, in Dubai called Mango Tree. He want to ask me to design that particular restaurant for him. Mm. Well, I think I never worked in Dubai. I think it's interesting. But I think what makes you come to me is that, oh, first of all, first of all he opened a few restaurants in, in Dubai already for that company, but that was all Western uh, restaurants. So mm. they get very good designers from, from overseas to design the restaurant for them. But now Mango Tree is an Asian restaurant. So he wants to get an Asian designer to, to work on this particular project. Okay. So he think about Thai designers, Singaporean designer, China, uh, Hong Kong designers. But because he's from Hong Kong, he's more familiar with Hong Kong. And then he, do some re he did some research and then he, 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 he get my name and then he come to me and knock on my door and say, Steve, I want you to do the mango tree for me. Okay, why not? So I start working in Dubai with him on that mango tree. After that, we worked uh, a few restaurants in Abu Dhabi and also in Beijing. And be we became good friends. Mm. And I also bring in uh, Tino Guan. Okay. Uh, to design the lighting for us. And mm -hmm. then three of us always work on that, um, that kind of uh, restaurant business. And you know, Tino is a very, very interesting person. Mm. He's not only a lighting designer, and he can cook very well. Do you know oh, that? No, I didn't know <laughs> that, actually. I know he can sing very well, but... <laughs> yes, I, and then he can cook very well, especially Italian. Oh. And then he actually started opening restaurant in Hong Kong, I think back, back in, I think probably 20 or even 30 years ago. You, you, you heard about the, the, um, the, the restaurant called Wabani? No, I Wabani. don't know if I know it's that one. It's an Italian Oh, Wabani. Yeah, Wabani. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I do so know that one. So he's one of yeah. the founders. Ah, <laughs> so okay. he's one of the pioneer designer restaurateurs. Ah. So I think, I think he, he's very experienced. So I think, Tino, why, why don't we work together? And then uh, I get Paul, I got Tino. So three of us actually start um, thinking of uh, uh, forming a company and then uh, 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 opening our own restaurant. Uh -huh. Because I initiated that idea, and then they, they are very kind that they, they used my birth year, 1957, as the name, so right. it becomes 1957 and Co. Mm -hmm. And then we opened our two restaurants on the same date, mm -hmm. uh, together. Uh, one is uh, Italian, uh, Italian restaurant called uh, Bella Vita, and the other one is a uh, Japanese restaurant called Sushi Takte. Two restaurants opened on the same day. Oh, wow. In the same building on two different floors. Gosh, that's a lot of pressure. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of pressure, the restaurant group is not the only company that's listed on the stock exchange. You're, I don't know if they're separate companies, but separate your, companies, your yes. architectural practice or your design firm is that's also right. yes. um, stock exchange listed. There can't be very many design firms in the world that are stock exchange listed. So how does, um, how does that change your life when that, when that happens? And, and what does that do to running a company and, and your stress levels? <laughs> do you know, um, I talked to you about succession plan when I was thinking about that in the year of 2007. That is 13 years ago. And I, that thing kept on in my mind for the last 13 years. <laughs> because expanding my company doesn't mean that you, you actually have a succession plan. Mm. It's actually making your succession plan even more difficult. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think in order for a company to actually continue to sustain, it's either that you can get a second generation to, to take over. It's either uh, sometimes um, they pass it to the son or the family, but my son is not interested, so uh, this is not working. Okay. And then, um, and then it's either that you actually, or maybe you 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 sell some share to your uh, senior level, or then you 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 you, you give them uh, the share as a gift. That's one way of doing that. So then you you try to get a uh, the second generation, or you can actually uh, find somebody to to acquire your company. That's another option. Obviously, the third option is to go public. Mm. So there's, there's a, uh, different kinds of succession plans. Mm -hmm. But uh, as I said, uh, passing it to the, to the immediate family 
it's not possible for me because my son is not interested. My daughter is now becoming a chef. <laughs> and, okay. and then, uh, and then uh, also I try to explore the possibility of passing to, to some of my senior staff. But, you know, uh, my senior staff is not too young either. And also if I want to sell it, the, 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 the share to them at a market value probably is too expensive for them to, to, to buy. And if I want to, even if I, I, I give them the share as a gift, I mean, it's, they, they have pressure because mm. the company is actually making profit now. Of course, it's, it's a very healthy company, but there's no guarantee that it's, you know, it's going to be healthy for the rest of you know next 10 or 20 years. So getting these stocks, maybe shares, may be kind of a liability to some mm. extent. So I think it's, it's not easy. Mm. And... So it's either we go public or you know we, we sell our company. I don't know. Maybe it's it's kind of very strange. One day somebody come to me and said, Steve, are you interested to sell your share to to us? Uh, they are they are actually a, a very big company from Beijing, mm. who are very specialized curtain wall contractors. They, are, they used to be number one in the world, number one curtain wall contractor called Jianghe. Mm. Very, very strong, very strong background. And then uh, they want to acquire some of my share. Of course, they, want, they, don't, they don't want to acquire 100% because they just want to acquire my business. They, they want to keep me in the, right. in the company because yeah. otherwise there's no point. So uh, they want to buy, let's say, uh, at least 51% of my share to get the control but never, never more than 70 or 80. So we start negotiation. And that time, uh, I think the negotiation is quite smooth. And eventually I sold 70% of my share to this company. Mm. And they, 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 they never, never interfere in my um, operation because it is very clearly uh, written in the shareholders agreement that they cannot interfere my Although I'm, I'm the minor shareholder to a certain extent, mm. but I kind of, kind of control the company in, in a lot of aspects, except some, something very fundamental. Mm. So okay. uh, I think it gives me a very good uh, way of uh, unloading my share to a certain extent, mm -hmm. and I feel more relaxed. And the, the reason why they want to buy a design company is because they want to diversify as well. Mm. Because they bought also some fit-out companies in China, so they want to do curtain wall, at the same time they want to do construction, they want to do fitting out jobs, and then they want the design as well. Mm -hmm. So they want to have kind of an, an all-in-one surface. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of logical, and also we can understand why they want to buy uh, a company like us. Mm. And we sold it to them, 70%. And we work together quite well, very well, in fact, and we make good profits. And after a few years, um, they said we should actually try to uh, uh, go public for this company. I said, why not? It's mm. good. It's good for me. It's good for them. It's mm -hmm. good for the staff. So uh, we decided to, to, to go public. And in fact, we, are actually, we were actually the only one or the first one company that also only do pure design um, uh, that is public listed in, the, in Hong Kong. Wow. Because some of them, some of the companies, they do design and build, but we only do design. Right. And also, it's, you know, in the, in, the, in the stock exchange, it's so difficult to get a company who bear a person's name ah. to be public listed. Because, I mean, the people will say, okay, what happened if Steve Leung leaves the company? So, the, because the, the, the goodwill is so important. Mm. So I think it's not easy. And I'm so happy that we have done it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's such a great story. Um, and, you know, I think from the conversation that we've had so far and you talking about, you know, these major milestones every 10 years of your career, and I've heard you talk about that over the years, actually, uh, and all of your planning ahead, which to me just embodies the spirit of Hong Kong. I mean, I think that is one of the reasons that those of us that move here, you know, and, and are not born in Hong Kong, we stay because we love that spirit. Yes. 
So in the spirit of that, and you, you alluded a little bit about uh, having a plan for the next five or ten years, I would love to hear what you're working on now, what you're allowed to talk about. Yeah. What's, what's next for Steve Long? I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned about the, the spirit of Hong Kong because I think it is exactly the spirit of Hong Kong that makes Hong Kong so good. Uh, I'm always, when I have opportunity of making public speeches or presenting myself, I always say, I'm 100% made in Hong Kong because I was born in Hong Kong, I was educated in Hong Kong, I never leave Hong Kong uh, on a long time, only on, on, on business or on, you know, on holiday. So I start my own practice here. So I'm so happy and I want you know, to keep this spirit. And to answer your question for the next five years, uh, I, have, I have actually uh, kind of uh, trying to uh, plan my semi-retirement uh, for the next uh, when I when I turn 65 when I but but I have to qualify that because retirement doesn't mean that I don't work actually I want to pass my work to my colleague so I don't need to work with them hands on hand mm. I, I want them to work independently with my without my supervision without you know uh, so they can work freely. So uh, it's, my, it's my, my goal set to myself and also set to the company and also set to my staff. So I hope by when I turn 65, which is about two years from now, uh, uh, the company can actually operate basically without my close supervision. Mm -hmm. But I will stay in the company, I will give them direction, I will give them support, uh, especially moral support, you know, on, on all these things. And then I, I still have a lot of business connections. I still have a lot of uh, different kind of connections. So I think I, I, I want to see that happen in when I turn 65. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I actually force myself not to work so hard because I, I actually it's very difficult. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, but that's <laughs> easier said than done. Every designer <laughs> wants to take control. I mean, it's the same for me, but it's very difficult for me to, to keep my hands you know, tight and then say, don't touch, don't touch. <laughs> and then, you know, whenever I touch on any project, my designers are very excited and then they, they're very nervous. But I, I keep on telling myself, please, don't worry, let them go. Just like, just like your parents. I'm always saying that, just like your parents. When you have your child or, or children, uh, you always try to take care of them, uh, give them a lot of support and you know, care, things like that. But when they grow out, you, have, you really have to let them go, mm. let them make some mistake, let them hurt themselves to a certain extent, but not too seriously, right. so that they learn from their experience. So I think I'm doing the same thing for my company. So I want to let them go. I, but I'm, I, I won't let them make big mistakes. Small mistake is okay, mm. as long as we can afford that kind of mistakes. Sure. And then uh, I want to do that. Uh, because if I actually, uh, because I used to work very hard on the details, but now I actually intentionally not going to spend more time in that kind of details. I spare more time for myself. So I work on education, mm. charity, uh, professional associations, and also some of my hobby. Okay. So, uh, what does Steve Long do in his spare time? Well, there's a lot. Uh, actually, actually, I start when I was 60. I mean, a few years ago, I uh, we start the C Foundation in China, uh, probably five years ago. Uh, it's a charity foundation that target for the design, these young designers in China. Also, that covers Hong Kong and Taiwan. So we, we, it's a charity foundation because I think um, we, we will actually benefit a lot from the development of China, economic development of China for the last 20 years. I think it's the time for us to give back. Mm -hmm. So we, do, we, we set up this C Foundation that is also on charity and also on education. And also, uh, I, I start involved in, let's say, um, uh, IFI, International okay. Federation of Interior Architects Designers, mm -hmm. which is an uh, organization that has uh, 57 years history, starting from 1963. And I was elected as the first 
Chinese president of that association that represent the whole uh, in this interior design discipline all over the world because that is an association that that's the only association or a federation that that represent the interior design discipline in the whole world. So uh, I was the president uh, from from two thousand and seventeen to 2020. Right. So I just, now I'm the past president. Okay. So apart from that, I also spent some time working for uh, some of the institutions in Hong Kong, like the Hong Kong Trade Development Council, TTC. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm also on the advisory board. I'm also in some of the advisory board of the government who look after design and, 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 and matters relating to design. I'm also a director of Hong Kong Design Center. I involve intense, intensively in, in doing judging or red dots or you know different kind of things. Yes. So yes. Uh, that's something that I want to do. And of course, education is always in my mind. And charity is also in my mind. So I want to, to spend more time uh, sharing my experience with young designers, including students. Mm-hmm. So that I think that is something that we should do and giving back to the society. That's wonderful. Um, on that, I, I guess it would be great to see if you have maybe one tip for a young aspiring designer in Hong Kong. Even you know, what advice would you give them? Um, you know, obviously you, you're such an incredible role model for them to look up to, and you know, they're big footsteps to to try and fit into. But you know, if you have one piece of advice. What would it be? I think um, a lot of people, especially young people, they think, okay, it's very tough now because of there's a lot of competition and maybe the property price is, is too high, something like this. But I think I, I have to tell them we face different problems in different generations. We, we have different problems when I was young also. So be positive, be actually uh, be patient. You won't, you won't be successful in one or two years. You have to plan yourself uh, step by step. Don't get too impatient. And also you need to know your strength and your weakness. Because uh, as I, I'm the kind of person that I very understand myself. I have a lot of strength, but at the same time, I have a lot of weakness. And I recognize that I, 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 I actually, you know, Sometimes weakness, you cannot actually change it. You can even, you can probably marginally improve, but you can never change. For example, if, if I'm an, an, an athlete, maybe I'm a marathon runner, but I cannot do spin, I cannot do 100 meter. So because that is your body, because it's your body, because it's your, your mind. So uh, I think you have to understand your own strength and weakness, concentrate and do your best for your strength and avoid doing something that you are weak. And then you maybe, you say, if it's not avoidable, try to get other people's help to do it. Concentrate in your strength. And sometimes people, they don't, if you ask somebody, what is your strength? Maybe they can tell you right away, oh, I'm so good in blah, 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 blah. blah. But then if you, what is your weakness? You know, they cannot tell you because they never think about it, which is not true, mm. which is very bad. So I think it's difficult. It's, I mean, it's so important to know your own weakness. I think that's great advice. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to see you again. And I think there's you know, some, a lot of wise words there that I think will be very beneficial to up and coming designers. So thank you so much, Steve. Thank you.